Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renew Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. All right. Well, how's everybody doing? That was okay. That was okay. But um, it's Super Bowl Sunday, so you're going to have to act like it. How's everybody doing? If you're a guest today, we're so glad that you're here. Make sure you fill out one of those Connect cards. Drop it in a box or a bucket on your way out. If you're a, uh, a part of our Church Online family and you're watching online, make sure that you fill out the Connect card. We want to reach out to you. We want to minister to you and know how we can uh, just make you feel part of our church family so that even when you're online, even when you're not in person, that you still feel like this is your church family. Well, last week we preached a message, or, or we, I, I, I'm taking credit for something I had nothing to do with. Pastor Mikey preached a powerful message in the Misfit Takeover. Uh, didn't they do great? Isn't that good? Yeah. And he, he preached this message, and the students did the worship. It was just a powerful, powerful day. And, and he preached this message with one of these points that really stood out to me, and it's this. If you're only known for what you're against, you will always be playing defense. And literally, that has resonated with me all week long. Like literally, I mean, if, if that's who we are, if you're only known for what you're against, you'll always be on defense because, I mean, that's, that's kind of like where I found myself over the last few years. Prior to pastoring Renewed Church, like it was like, who are we for? Who is, who is Trevor Pound for? Well, let me tell you what we're against. Let me tell you about the things that we're against. And, and that's not the way to be. That's not the way to live. We need to live on offense. Amen. We need to be a group of people that are telling people this is what we're for. So I want to share with you some of the things that we're for. We're for our city. Amen? amen. And, and by the way, when I say amen, you're supposed to respond back. Come on, let's do this. Uh, we're for lost and hurting people. Amen? amen? We are for the next generation. Amen? amen. We're for church planting. Amen? amen? I better hear you, Redland. And we are for Jesus. Amen. amen. These are some of those core values, common values that we share. There are more to this than this, but I wanted to make sure that you know what we're for and not so much about what we're against. So it's Super Bowl Sunday. So I, I want to play some football with you guys. I, I brought my footballs. You guys like my, my footballs? So um, I'm going to play football. This is the only football I know how to play. So uh, watch closely, see if it works. And, and this is my best quarterback throw that I can do. Um, but uh, yeah, it's Super Bowl Sunday. And so um, I thought it would be cool for me to wear a jersey today. And uh, I didn't think it would be that cool to wear a Rams or a Bengals jersey. So you guys want to see my, my Super Bowl jersey today? All right, here we go. <laughs> you like it? You know, it's cooler than it's cooler than a uh, it, it's cooler than a Rams or Bengals jersey, and it makes more sense than a Dolphins jersey for sure. Like, who's gonna wear a Dolphins jersey or a Dallas jersey like my brother Pastor Mikey on Super Bowl Sunday? But uh, you know, I'm not gonna buy one of those um, just for the day. I want to give you some interesting facts, some interesting facts about the Super Bowl, and and uh, here's some of those just in case you didn't know it. There are two teams. In a Super Bowl. Wow, that's interesting, right? Uh, to stop the other team, you have to tackle the player with the ball. Wow, wow, we're getting more interesting. 
the team with the highest number of points at the end of the game, they win. You know, like, what are you, is that it? That's all you got? All right, I got more. I got real facts, okay? Real facts. You ready? The players playing in the game tonight make more money in this game tonight than I will make in my entire life. <laughs> uh, that's, that's real facts. Uh, the halftime show, the halftime show is a big deal. It is. I mean, sometimes because of wardrobe malfunctions, sometimes because, you know, it's controversial, whatever it is, but it's always a big deal. You don't go to the bathroom at halftime. You go to the bathroom at the, you know, two minutes before the, the second quarter. Um, 115 million Americans, one-third of the United States will be watching, and that doesn't include the rest of the globe, the rest of the world, but one-third of the United States will be watching television on that channel tonight. 125 million chicken wings will be consumed, uh, 71 million pounds of guacamole, 20%, there's a 20% rise in antacids the week of the Super Bowl, that's an interesting uh, fact, um, and a 30-second commercial I remember when they would be like, oh, wow, a 30-second commercial was $1 million at the Super Bowl. But guess what? $5 million for 30 seconds. That's crazy, right? It might be even more than that. Your, facts may, you know, your fact checker may say that it's even higher than that now. But this is, this is where we are. Well, I, I want to I share with you a message. I'm calling it WOAT. You've got, you guys have heard of the GOAT, right? The greatest of all time. We're going to talk about the WOAT, the worst of all time. And these are the worst five plays in NFL history of all time, forever etched in history, and these are places you don't want to be famous for, so let's watch these clips. Play here and then oh, no. and Sanchez gets hit. The ball is loose and it's alive. I have never seen this before in my life. Watch this. Vince Wilfork is going to throw Brandon Moore back into his quarterback. He's going to fumble the football. This is what Reggie White used to do to people forklift them and just lift them off the ground. Mark Sanchez not expecting it, and it was the backside of Brandon Moore that knocked the ball out. So, so that is one of those moments. I don't know, like, have you ever ran into a wall before? Anybody ever accidentally ran into a wall? Um, how about your offensive lineman if you were a quarterback? Like, that's exactly what Mark Sanchez did. And um, not only did he run into his offensive lineman, but he fumbled the ball. And the other team uh, recovered and scored a touchdown because of that. That is a bad day to be a Jets fan, for sure. Worst of all time. Let's check out this next clip. Practice all those throws. Uh oh. Yeah. Now we've got on a fourth down and three. You got Griff Whalen ready to take the snap. He'll snap it. Actually, Colt Anderson is behind him. And what in the world? Flag is down. You tell me. I thought maybe they were going to try and get him to jump off sides. Illegal formation. The whole right side of the line was not on the line of scrimmage. Offense. This penalty is declined. The result of the play is first down for New England. There is absolutely no. So that is um, 
an illegal formation, but it's also known as an idiot formation, I think. <laughs> like, could, did you see, like, the, the, the New England players, like, just like, are you serious? It was like, you know, fresh meat. They, they were like, we get to tackle this guy and nobody's going to block? Like, what an amazing, amazing opportunity for them. And uh, worst of all times, number four, congratulations, Indianapolis. All right, let's watch number three. You guys want to see it? Last week, good, tough third down receiver. McNabb loading up deep for Deshaun Jackson. He holds it in. Oh, what? Did he get over the goal line? Did he get over the goal line? Yes, he did. Touchdown. Whoa. Puts more points up. It's fabulous pace. It's unbelievable if they keep this up. Hang on a second. We got to make sure he broke the plane on that, guys. And the Cowboys, I think, might challenge. Oh, it is very close. Ooh, that is close. That is, it's a great dance, but it's also... Let's take a peek here. Watches very closely. He has secured the football. The plane. Secondly, if you say he didn't, let's stop and do the news first. Uh, it's such a long play. Man. Number... The worst plays of all times, all NFL history, and uh, that's your that's your face, that's your number, that's your your jersey on the on the screen. Seeing that, like, let me. Here's a point for us today. It's not over till it's over. Cross the finish line and finish before you celebrate. Amen. Like, make sure that you finish what you start before you uh, begin to celebrate because um, that was a bad day. Uh, for the, who was it, the Vikings, right? No. Eagles, Philadelphia, Philadelphia. All right, let's watch this last clip. Or no, fourth clip. And uh, sorry in advance, Dolphins. A 42-yard attempt by your premium. Snap, step down, the kick is blocked. Rolling loose on the field. It is picked up by Gill. He tries to throw a pass. Deflected in the air, grabbed by Bass, 40, 35, 30, he's going to score, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Mike Bass and the Washington Specialty teams get their club on the board and make it a new ball game, just as we were raving about a victory. I had to show it to you. Number two, congratulations. You made something. You're famous for something. You're number two of all times. Um, I mean, he, he whiffed the click kick, and then he whiffed the pass. I mean, that has got to be one of the, the worst plays of all times. Here's the thing. At least it wasn't in this century. As you could tell by the footage and their uniforms and, and helmets, it, at least it was like sometime over 40 years ago or something like that. Uh, and then this is the final clip. And uh, feel bad for this guy because uh, he made the worst play of all times. Looking. Does. Stops. Throws. Completes it to Kilmer up at the 30-yard line. Kilmer driving for the first down. Loses the football. It's picked up by Jim Marshall who's running the wrong way. Marshall is running the wrong way. His teammates were running along the far side of the field, Russ, trying to tell him to go back. Wow. Bad, 
bad day, right? I mean, like seriously, forever, his life was forever changed. Oh, you're that guy. You're the guy that scored a, a point for the other team. You scored a touchdown for the other team. How crazy is that, right? Well, that's, uh, that's how quickly life can change. I want to take you to our text today, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 24. And this is our primary scripture for the day, and uh, this is what it says, 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, and they do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not run and just, oh, wow, here's a football. Let me just run whichever way I want to go. No, I'm running towards the end zone. I'm running for my life for the purpose and the goal and the plan that's been set before me to win the prize. You see, scholars have noted that Corinth, who Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, um, they hosted these games. It was called the Ith, I can't even say the Ithmian Games. And they were uh, named that because Corinth was an isthmus. I'm, I'm just going to say isthmus. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but it's this narrow strip of land that connected Greece, northern and southern Greece. And so they had these games, and so everybody in Corinth knew about these games. And some of the games including racing, running, boxing, and wrestling. And they would have been familiar with the athletic contests and the disciplines required to win them. And, and it's possible, therefore, that Paul is tailoring his metaphors to fit what the Corinthians know. However, Paul's athletic metaphors are common enough that people anywhere, all of us, could understand what he was talking about. So he says this, he says, don't run like someone running aimlessly. He doesn't run aimlessly, in fact. God has called Paul to run a race, and he called him to proclaim the gospel, and so he does it tirelessly. He does so in part to be faithful to the one who has called him. But he also does it to win the spiritual prize that he is pursuing, the same spiritual prize that he is calling the Corinthian Christians to pursue. He says this in verse 26. He says, I fight like that, not as beating the air. He's using the the metaphor in the same way that he's saying, I'm not running aimlessly. I'm also not fighting just beating the air. In other words, I'm not shadow shadow boxing my way through life. I'm, I'm not just swinging wildly with no purpose or strategy. No, I have a fight. I'm in the fight and I'm fighting to win. It says, I beat my body. And bring it into submission. And, and, and this word beat in, in the, the Greek is hypopiazo. He's, he's saying, I'm, I'm bringing this into a, a uh, I'm, I'm fighting this, this thing and I'm, I'm fighting my own self, my own flesh. And, and that word hypopiazo is actually to like beat like literally with a, a specific target in mind. Like to hit under the eye is what that word means. And so in other words, it's saying... Like, I'm going to hit it where it hurts the most. I'm going to literally get in control of my own body. I'm, I'm fighting. I'm bringing my body into submission. He says in that word, uh, to, to enslave my body is this discipline to bring it into subjection. What is the subjection to? It's the subjection to the flesh. It's the subjection to everything that, that draws us away from what God has called us to. 
And you can immediately think of those things. The minute I talk about that, you can immediately think about everything that fights for your attention. Paul says we've got to fight. Paul says we have to, to, to uh, not only fight against the enemy of the world, but we've got to fight ourselves. We've got to train ourselves. We've got to prepare ourselves for these things. So I want to give you four points. And if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes, they're on your worship guide. Because when you take notes, you can then recall what we talked about later in the week or even in your quiet time. And here's four points. One, number one is, is this. Run with a purpose. In your walk, in, your, in, your, in, in this race, run with a purpose. You know, I'm not a football player. That's why I'm wearing a referee jersey because I don't know how to play football. But if I was, I would hate to find myself turned around and running as hard as I could in the wrong direction. I'd hate to be the guy running without a purpose or running aimlessly. If you're going to run, run with a purpose. There's times when, when you can walk and there's times when you can, can kind of like uh, move at a different pace. But there are times when you need to set a goal, make a plan and figure out how to get better at what it is that you're doing. And we see this in our faith all the time. There, there are times in, 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 in the faith when we need to run with a purpose. We need to grind it out. We need to go for the goal. But oftentimes as Christians, we're just going for a walk. There's this kind of idea, this parallel of, of being a casual Christian, just kind of going for a walk and being a disciple of Jesus that's running a race. If you're a casual Christian and you're going for a walk, maybe that looks like you come to church if there's three other things that are not more important to you on that particular Sunday. You're going for a walk. If you're a casual Christian, you don't pray. You call other people to pray, but you don't pray. You don't even know what it is to pray. And, and I'm not saying pray as in praying for an hour a day. I'm saying you don't even pray when you wake up in the morning. You don't pray before you go to bed at night. You don't pray with your family before a meal. You just, you just don't pray. And I'm challenging you to stop being a casual Christian and begin to pray and begin to build your prayer life. If you're a casual Christian, you're going for a walk and you might see a verse on social media and it's Instagram and you double tap it or it's on Facebook and you share it. And that's for you, that's you being a Christian, but sometimes it's not really all that God has called you to. Maybe it is part of it and I'm not saying that I don't sometimes double tap and I share things, but it's more to life than that. It's more than, than that in the scripture. And when chaos comes, when you're a casual Christian, you react. When chaos comes, it's like, whoa, like everything falls apart and you begin to react to the situation at hand. But for the disciple of Jesus in training, for the one that's in training, you come to serve. You don't just come to church whenever you feel like it or whenever there's nothing else important, you come to serve. You come to be poured into so that you can pour out and you understand what it means to be a disciple in training. You are committed to the cause. When you're a disciple in training, you're, you have a committed prayer life. You know what it is to pray. And again, I'm not saying that you're the, the prayer warrior on your knees for hours a day because I'm not. I, that's not one of my spiritual gifts to just be able to be on my knees praying all day every, every morning. But I do take time to pray to God. I do take time to pray in the mornings and night. And when a difficult uh, situation arises, the first thing I do is I turn to God. I pray. I seek God. I have a family in the church. I, I, I have a church family is what I'm trying to say. I, as a disciple in, in training, it's not just a little connection. It's not just the place I attend on Sundays at 1035. 
this is my church family. This is my family. This is where I, where I uh, get my food, my spiritual nourishment. And this is where I do ministry. And this is where I'm a part of a, a bigger purpose than even myself. When you're a disciple in training, you have a plan. You have a coach that knows the plan. And when chaos comes, you don't react because you already know it's coming. You already expect it. When chaos comes, you respond because you were already prepared. You were already planned for it. And you are going to respond. So the first thing is, is to run with the purpose. The second one is to get in the playbook. To get in the playbook. That playbook for each and every single one of us is the Word of God. Amen? It is the Word of God. This is our playbook. And you've got to get into it. You've got to begin studying it. You've got to begin meditating on it. And allowing it to, to, to read it, but also to allow it to read you. What do you mean by that, Trevor? In other words, what I'm saying is, is sometimes you read the Word and then sometimes you look at the Word and you allow it to read you. And if there's something that's not lining up, if there's something that doesn't align with what Scripture is, you don't try to change Scripture. Literally, nobody changes Scripture. You change you. You don't ignore it. You don't pretend it doesn't exist and be like, oh, I don't want to read that verse. No, you let it read you. You've got to let the... The Word of God be your playbook. You see, the Bible gives us keys to running a great offense. It gives us a plan for victory. And it also reveals the plan of the enemy. How many of you know the, the uh, Bengals would love to have their opponent's playbook right now? I mean, literally, if somebody had, like, snapped some iPhone shots of just a few pages of their, their plays for tonight, guess what? It would be worth millions of dollars to them. They would just wire the money without a problem. There would be no hesitation. Why? Because they want to know the plays that their opponent is about to run. They want to know what's going to happen in the game. And if they can get those plays, guess what? They're going to win the game. The problem, I mean, the, the, the reality is, is we have the playbook. And in this playbook, we even know the plays of the enemy. We already know what he's going to do. We already know what he has in store for us. But oftentimes, we don't even read it enough to know what it's going to do and what's going to happen. We've got to get in the playbook. Number three. Number three is stop looking back. Stop looking back. I cannot stay in the past. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with per perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. In other words, like, why do we look at everything else when what we're supposed to focus in on, as the writer of Hebrews says, is Jesus? Stop looking back. Fix your eyes on Jesus. We have to focus forward. We've got to quit questioning God, and let's just move forward and trust Him in these things 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says, Do you not know that in a race, all runners run, and they do it to get a crown that will last forever? You see, we live in a culture of compromise, not only standing firm in truth, but living in the truth, literally making our whole life surrounded by the truth of God's word. And we've got to live by this kind of principle, not just by pressure, not just by like whatever comes and how we react to it, but instead just living on the principles of God's word so that no matter what, when the rains come, when the storms rise, when the floods come, all of these things happen in our life that we're going to be ready. We're going to have our, our life built on a solid foundation. 
we got to stop looking back and begin to run this race. Look forward, focus forward. And then number four, stay in step with the Spirit. Have you ever noticed that you can go farther together? You know, when you train with a trainer, it does something for you. I mean, when, when, you, when you work out with someone else, maybe they're not even like a certified trainer or anybody, just but with a partner, like they push you and you push them and they teach you things that you didn't otherwise know. Like it helps, it makes you faster, it makes you stronger. I know how to run a little bit, but I don't really know how to run. If I compare myself to an Olympic athlete, like I have no idea how to run. Like all of us know how to run, like a kid on the playground. We know how to like get out and, and just kind of run down the street, right? But I'm talking like Olympic running, like if we got with somebody that, that knew how to run, we would really go farther. We would be able to go faster. We would be able to do more. I remember when I was in a run club a couple of years ago. I was in this little run group, and, and it was part of how I was just trying to get to know the Kindle community, and, and they had this run club up here. And so I would go out there, and I would, I would think to myself, wow, these guys are like, some of them in the group that I was running with were like 10 and 15 years older than me. And so I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to smoke these guys. I'm going to be like, I'm, I'm going to be you know, uh, with them or even ahead of them. And not that it was a race, it's not like that, but that's just how I felt about it. And you get a mile in, two miles in, three miles in, these guys are just kind of like, I mean, they're running at a, a good pace, but they're, they're just talking, they're just having a good time. And here I am behind them just like, oh, 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 oh. like, like my, my, I'm flailing my arms and I'm just like dying for like, where is the, the finish line on this thing? Why is that? It's because they had been training longer. It's because they had been going farther together. But over time, I got farther. I got faster. I, I began to run at a better pace. You, you see, the point that I'm trying to make is, is when you run together, you can, do, you can go farther. And when you run in step with the Spirit, when you move in step with the Spirit, the same principle applies. The same things can happen in your life. If you would just trust God and, and go with God and stop fighting against God, you're going to see more victory. You're going to see more opportunities to accomplish things that you didn't think you could accomplish on your own. There are things in, in running that, that uh, maybe we didn't even know were a thing. Breathing techniques and, and uh, where to look, where to keep your focus and how to hold your head and how to move your arms and, and when to burst and when to hold back. Like there, there are times to pace and then there are times to try to finish strong and fight and fight it out. Like Get your heart rate all the way up to max. Like, but the same thing is true in our walk with God and our run with God, being in step with the Spirit of God. There are times when we need to, to uh, do certain things, and He's going to guide us. He's going to train us and go with us in these things. He's going to show us when it's time to burst and when it's time to hold back. He's going to show us how to, to handle and respond to certain situations and, and how, to, how to fight the uphill battle, whatever that thing is. I'm telling you, you've got to stay in step with the Spirit because He's our trainer. And He wants to help us win. He wants to help us succeed. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Amen? And here's the final point. And this is, this is one that I'm, I'm going to spend a little bit more time on and focus in on. And, and this point is, is, if you want to win, if you want to have victory, if you don't want to be the woat, Worst of all time. But if you want to experience victory, you've got to develop an edge. You've got to develop an edge. You see, every team has a huge stadium. Every team has a million-dollar coach. Every team has elite players. All of them have 
you know, Pro Bowl candidates. All, all of them have great practice facilities. But how do you become the team that wins the Super Bowl? How do you become the team amongst the teams, amongst professional players that, that is the best? You know, the, the Patriots that, that won 15, 17, and 19. Like, how do you do that? I know some of y'all are saying, well, it's Tom Brady. But in addition to that, you develop an edge. You develop an edge. The difference between one team and the next, it's really not about the big things. It's about a lot of little things. It's about that little edge that they have over those around them. It's the little things like going to bed extra early before the Super Bowl game and, and not staying up all night and partying with your friends before you know, the game the next day. It's, it's eating the right foods right before the game, making sure that your, your, your body is, is going to digest and not going to have any kind of problems you know, minutes before you're supposed to go on the field. It's the certain little things that help to develop an edge. It's that mental toughness. I mean, they hire psychologists to work with the players so that when they're about to go into the game, they, they know how to face adversity because a lot of it's mental. A lot of it's mind games. And the other opponents are trying to come at them and trying to really mess with their head. And you see a player and you know players that lose their cool and they lose their cool and they lose the game. It's not just about them. It's about the entire team. It's about the entire program. It's about the entire city. And the city's riding on your mental toughness. It's, a, it's riding on that edge that you have. You gotta learn, you gotta develop the edge so that you don't lose your mind when you go down four touchdowns. Like, it's not over until the fourth quarter and the clock runs out. It is never over until it's over. So do not lose that edge. Do not lose that, that mentality. Another one that comes to my mind, and I, I would hate it if it comes to this, and I hope it doesn't, but it's that field goal kick. It's that, that, that field goal kicker. Like both teams, they have it all. They've done everything. They've prepared everything. And they tie the score. The, the game is tied up with three seconds left. And you know there's only one play, and it's a 48-yard field goal. And that kicker gets out there. They ice him twice. They run both timeouts, and they ice him twice. And then... It's time, and there's no more opportunity for nothing else. It's score goes between the, 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 the uh, what's that thing called? <laughs> the goalposts, or you miss it. It's crazy, right? I mean, it's crazy how the entire thing could depend on one, one, one kick, one push, one push to the right. That's what happens, though. So you have to develop an edge, and, and that edge may be the right kicker, the right player on the team in the right position it's the that edge of the the receiver that can run a 40 in 4.47 while his opponent is a 4.49 you know and 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 that could be the difference of winning and losing a game and that edge is the same edge that I'm talking to you about it's not everything else because a lot of us are doing everything a lot of us are are doing all these things but we need to, to develop that. It's the little things that are going to give us the victory over the, the challenges that are coming our way. Second Timothy chapter 4, Paul says this, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. 
here's the thing. I'm talking to you about these things that you've got to do so that you can become the greatest of all time, so that you can have victory in your life, so that you can win this competition we call life. And some of y'all are like, but pastor, I'm good. I come here and, you know, I believe in Jesus and I love God and I give to the church. I do all of these things. But I'm not really willing to develop an edge. Pastor, I don't really feel like that, that's for me. That, that's for you. That's for the other pastors. That's for the leaders. But I'm not into that. And my challenge to you today is, is there's going to be, be a day. There's going to be a day that you're going to look back. You're going to be look, looking back. And, and so let's, let's fast forward 100 years. Because in the, nobody's going to be in the room in 100 years. Maybe 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, maybe. 100 years, all of us are going to be gone, right? Everybody agrees to that. A hundred years from now, all of us are going to have a chance to look back. And we're all followers of Christ. If you are a follower of Christ, praise be to God. You're going to look back on eternity. And you're going to look at the life that you had. The 40, the 50, the 80, the 100 years that you had. And you're going to have that opportunity to say, this is my life. And there might be in that opportunity somebody that, that if you would have done a little bit more, if you would have developed a little bit more of an edge... If you would have fought a little bit harder, if you would have trained a little bit more, if you would have given a little bit more towards the sacrifice that it was going to take, not only for you, because we're not talking about you, I'm already saying, like looking back from heaven, maybe if you're a follower of Christ and, and you're already there, but for that other person, you, it, it might be for you to be able to help that other person come to know and experience the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, because you were willing to get up a little earlier because you were willing to pray for that person because you were willing to invite that person to church or to a small group because you were willing to do those things and you're going to look back and you're going to be able to say did I develop the edge or was I just kind of laying back was I fully in training was I fully committed or was I just casually in the in the you know the pace that that was comfortable for me it's your choice. It's your decision. But your decision can have an eternal impact, not just on you, but on everyone around you. Those people in your life that you're praying for, those people in your life that don't know Jesus, that 100 years from now, who knows where they're going to be? You know where you're going to be. Praise be to God. But what about them? So I want to challenge you. As Paul said, Run the race. Don't run aimlessly. Fight the fight. Don't shadow box. Do the things that you can do to win this race, to make the difference. My friend uh, texted me after the first service and, and said there's a, a, a fitting verse, and it's, I think it's Romans 8. Uh, don't know the, 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 the reference, but we are more than conquerors in Christ. Here's the thing. We know that, right? We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Already. Like, we already know the end of the, the, the story. We know the end of the book. We know what happens. We're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We've already won. But let's do those things that we can do to help bring as many people as we can with us into victory. Amen?
Do you have an edge? Do you have an edge in your life? Is there an edge that, that when people look at your life, they say, oh, man, I, I can tell you are a committed Christian. I can tell there's something different about you. You have victory. Or is it like you've been walking with the same people at your job or in school or whatever for 10 years, and they're like, oh, you're a Christian? Ha, that's, that's interesting, cool, good. That is not a compliment. Let me tell you that. That is not a compliment. If they say that to you, that's bad. That means that they don't even know. It's not good to be an undercover Christian. I'm not saying you got to like, you know, WWJD everything all the time. But like seriously, they should know that there's something different about you. So develop the edge. Start making a difference. Run the race to win. Amen. Stand with me. Let's pray together and then I'm, we're going to sing a song and then I'll come back up and I'll close the message. God in heaven, we just come before you and we say thank you. We thank you for all that you've done for us. God, we thank you that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. God, we thank you that we have victory in Jesus, God, and that we can stand in this battle knowing that we have seen the end. We know the end. We've read the playbook and because of what Jesus did on the cross, we are victorious. But God, even as you speak to hearts today. God, I pray that there would be some people that would begin to get in training, that they would begin to, 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 to beat their body and, and, and get into submission, God, so that not only for their sake, but for maybe some family members, maybe some friends, maybe some neighbors or co-workers, God, that need to know and experience the love of Jesus Christ that will come and maybe be shared through them. God, we need you today. We need your help. We need your hand upon us, God. We need your provision. Whatever it is that people are seeking for this morning, God, I pray that you would hear and answer prayer, that you would go before them in whatever it is they're facing. And God, as you're speaking to us in this message, God, I pray that we'd be obedient to respond to whatever it is you're going to say. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing this closing song together.
So Paul wrote in Romans 8, and I, I quoted this earlier, but this is what it says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? In, in other words, like literally, there's, there's some stuff that comes in this walk. Like, this is a fight. This isn't just a... Oh man, you gave your life to Jesus, it's, it's easy from here on out. No, no, no. There is this stuff that comes with being a follower of Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus. It, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Like that's a terrible analogy, but that's what he's saying we are. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Like it's, it's, we're next at some point, like we're facing that. But no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Like literally, in spite of 
the, the outer external circumstances, we are more than conquerors, amen? No matter what we face on the outside, no matter what the external attacks look like, no matter what the opponent throws at us, because we're staying in step with the Spirit, because we developed an edge, because we're, uh, we have our, our eyes focused forward, all of these things, it's going to help us to be able to overcome, to be more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. He says in verse 38, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, height, depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter what you're facing, that doesn't mean you're not going to face some of those things. No matter what you're going through though, nothing will separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing can take that away from you. They can take everything away from you. And you go to some of these third world countries and you go to some of these uh, Muslim areas where literally you lose your life for being a follower of Christ. But they can't take away, they don't lose the love of Christ. And they're willing to give it all for that. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to do for Jesus? How hard are you willing to fight? Not just for you, but for those around you. It's my challenge to you to get into the game, to fight this fight, to win the race that God has called us towards heavenward. Amen? If today you're praying that prayer and saying, Pastor, I want to get in the fight. I want to get in the game. I want to, I want to win the race. And I need to develop an edge. I need to do more than what I've been doing. I've been kind of casual. I've been kind of walking through it. I've just been kind of like thinking, you know, I'm doing enough because I give and because I, I come to church when I can and all these things. But I know God has more for me. I know God has a bigger purpose. I think about it with Pastor Deke and the Redland, Redland campus and what they're doing. Like that's a huge step. They could easily just stay comfortable right here in these chairs. They could easily be welcome right here, but they're saying, no, God's called us. We believe in the vision. We're buying into the vision and we're going to do it. And guess what, man? Eternity is going to be changed because of it. Amen? Come on, let's give God praise for that. I praise God. I praise God for what he's doing at, at Renew Church and specifically in the Redland campus. But God's going to do great things in you. He wants to do great things in you. And maybe you're not called to plant a church, but he, maybe you are called to plant a small group. Maybe you are called to invite somebody to church. Maybe you are called to do something to develop an edge because there is an eternal person on, on the balance of eternity. And, and they may go one way or the other, but because of your example, because of your influence, maybe they're going to make that decision to follow Jesus and to surrender their life like you have. If you're saying today, Pastor, pray for me. I want to develop an edge. Pastor, I want to be in the race. I don't want to be a casual Christian. If you're saying, Pastor, I'm making that declaration. I'm in the fight. Would you just lift your hand right now, right where you're at? Praise be to God. Praise be to God. I see your hands all over the room. Come on, let's give God praise for that. Praise God. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Amen. The first step for someone in the room maybe today, the first step is what I always give as an opportunity, which is for that person that may, may be like, well, I don't even, I haven't even begun the fight. I haven't even made that declaration. Today can be the day of salvation for you. Today can be the day when you ask Jesus to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins, and to be your Lord and Savior. And if you do that, man, we welcome you into the family of God. 
There are people even now that are praying that you would make this declaration. Right now, there's probably a little bit of a battle inside, like he's going to ask me to raise my hand and I don't want to do it. He, there are people right now praying that you would be obedient, that you would take this step. But inside, you're like, no, don't do it. Somebody's going to look at you. Somebody's going to think something about you. No, you're too sinful. No, you're, you're too broken. You've got to clean up first. No, they're wrong. Those voices in your mind, they're wrong. Today is the day of salvation. And I want to give you that opportunity right now. If that's you today, raise your hand right where you're at and say, Pastor, today I'm declaring Jesus as Lord. Just raise your hand right where you're at. I'm not going to bring you up. I'm not going to bring you to the front. But if that's you today, would you lift your hand right where you're at? Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray together. Bow your heads. Close your eyes with me. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if uh, God's speaking to you, then you're going to get an opportunity to make a declaration today. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the things that you're doing in hearts and lives. That people are saying, today I want to get in the fight. Today I want to, I want to be in this race. And I want, to, I want to subject myself to what it is that God's calling me to. To a greater purpose. I want to be more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. God, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray for the person in the room that, that feels like they've already been defeated. God, I pray that you would lift them up today and remind them that through you, God, we can have victory. No matter what, God, that they would begin to apply these principles, get into the playbook, and uh, get in step with the Spirit of God, begin to develop an edge. All the things that we need to do to become victorious in this. But for the person in the room today, that raised their hand for the person in the room today or even online that making is making a declaration within the sound of my voice that they want to follow Jesus they want to be welcomed into the family of God it's a simple prayer it's a prayer that goes like this and you can pray it out loud as I pray it repeat this prayer after me dear Heavenly Father let me do it again and I'm gonna encourage you we don't pray this alone so we're gonna pray it out loud and we're not gonna pray it alone so if you're a part of the body of Christ I'm gonna encourage you to pray this prayer with me dear Heavenly Father I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin forgive me of my sin come into my life make me brand new today I declare you as my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise for what he's doing. There are, there are people outside that have Bibles, and uh, they want to help you take next steps. They want to help you get into a small group. They want to help you find out about growth track. They want to help you learn about being on the Renew crew. They want to help you to develop the edge. Don't miss that. If you don't know where to find them, there's a table out there. It's got some Bibles on it. I think there was a tent, but I think they took it down due to the rain. Regardless, if you don't know where to go, find the guy in the stripes because uh, I'm, I'm hard to miss. All right? We want to help you grow in your relationship with God. Pastor Mikey, make your way. Good morning. You may be seated. You guys doing good? Awesome, man. Welcome to Renew Church once again. My name is Pastor Mikey. Uh, you may be wondering why on earth am I wearing a Dallas Cowboys jersey? Well, um, the Dallas Cowboys do a great job of reminding me how much I need Jesus. 
because if my joy was based on them, I'd be a miserable person. <laughs> okay? Right now, guys, we are going to do our date night giveaway. So get your tickets out. Yes, one person is going to have the opportunity to get this lovely box of chocolates and this gift card to a restaurant. So you guys ready for that? Cue the drum roll now. And the winner is ticket one. Congratulations, guys. Man, get, keep on giving it up for them, man. Woo! Let me verify. Hey, you pen that, you can't put a, you can't pen that in. No, just kidding. It's them. Congratulations, guys. Enjoy the dinner. Let me know if you got leftovers. Um, no. Man, thank you guys again. Just a few announcements before we get out of here and start eating a bunch of unhealthy food for us. Um, man, small groups, small groups, small groups, small groups. Small groups, that's right, man. I talk about it almost every week and it's because, man, it's, it's so important. Maybe that's, that's the thing that can give you an edge. Maybe you've never been a part of a small group. And man, I encourage you to do it. Like I say almost every week, go to, go to one, just go to one. If you hate it, talk to me and we'll figure it out. But just go to one. That's all I'm asking you guys to do. Just go to one small group one night and just see what happens. See if you like it. See if it's for you. Join a small group. We've got them pretty much all throughout the week, uh, Monday through Thursday. Um, again, find the guy with the striped shirt. He can get you some information on that, man. Or just find any pastor, man. We'd love to talk to you about small groups and how you can get plugged into that. Um, man, I'm going to... If you're interested in giving to Renew Church, there's a few ways to do that. But before, before I even get into that, I just I want to share a testimony with you guys about giving. So a few months ago, we or a few weeks ago, rather, we did the uh, Give Up series. And Pastor Trevor had this challenge. It was this 90-day challenge of saying, you know what? I am going to completely trust God with my finances. I am choosing to tithe 10% for 90 days. And if I don't see God's blessing in a tangible way, then I'm getting my money back. That's a bold claim to make. That is very bold. And so my wife and I were praying about this and, and saying, you know what, let's, let's do this, right? And we just did it just for the sake of just wanting to honor God, just, just do our part and trust God in a deeper way, right? To, 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 to give more of ourselves to God and trust him more in, in any kind of way. We weren't expecting to receive anything. If we didn't see anything, we weren't going to ask for our money back. We just wanted to be obedient and, and do that for God. Well, let me tell you guys, my wife and I have been trying to have a baby for, I don't know, it's been over a year. And we've had a ton of ups and downs with that. It's been extremely just frustrating. And we do this 90-day challenge not even thinking about that. And within a month, my wife's pregnant. We didn't give to get, we didn't give so that our bank account would be bigger. We just gave because we just wanted to honor God. And that was the blessing in a tangible way. 
So, man, I, I, I share that with you guys to let you guys know, man, like God honors our worship. He honors our tithe. He, it's not, and again, we don't give to get. It's just giving to, to just give what's already his, man. And he's going to do unbelievable things with that, with the little bit that we give. He does unbelievable things. So I'm grateful for that. I want to share that with you guys. And if you're interested in giving to Renew Church, I just want to let you know that there's a few ways that you can do that. The first way is in person via the envelopes in the seat pocket in front of you. And you can drop them off in one of the boxes on your way out. The second way to do that is to do it online by visiting renew.miami forward slash giving. And the third and final way to do that is to do it via text by texting give to 786-565-1165. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this day. Um, God, I thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. God, I pray that um, as we give, Lord, as we worship you in this way, Father, that God, that my brothers and sisters in this room, Father, would see you work in unbelievable, undeniable ways in their life, Lord. I pray that you would bless this offering, oh God, use it for your purposes, God, and, and, and expand the kingdom. And I just pray for these people, Lord. I pray that you would bless them, God, in, 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 in what they do, oh Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. See you next Sunday.